This is episode 227 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, if you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. Welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Today's episode is going to be about preparing for a subsequent birth. Now, if you're expecting for the first time, it's still going to be worth listening in because many of these tips I'm going to share will still apply to you. But I find oftentimes when birth prep is talked about, It can be towards someone who's preparing for their first birth. And I think it's just really helpful to have this conversation. And I'm going to be sharing five tips to prepare for a subsequent or another birth, because these are things I go through with my own prenatal physio clients. I also go more in depth in bump to birth, which is my online program. And so I wanted to share these tips to get you thinking about five different ways to start preparing for your next birth. So let's jump into tip number one, and that is processing your last birth. And 
this is something that commonly comes up with, with my clients. We often will start here where they'll share, you know, how did their last birth, or they may have given birth multiple times before really diving into this type of birth prep. And it's important for you to go through this and everyone's going to be different, whether it's talking it through with your partner, talking it through with a friend, perhaps a doula, if you had a doula at your last birth or for your upcoming birth or your care provider, it's just really important to talk it out or write it out. Some people prefer to journal about it because things may come up that maybe you thought you had processed or gone through before and maybe things are coming up again like unanswered questions why did certain things happen or if there were parts of your birth that you didn't feel supported about so this is just really really important because it's gonna really play a big role in how you prepare for your next birth in terms of the different pieces that you realize were missing last time that you went into birth and maybe you thought you were prepared for it or sometimes going into the first birth, people talk about, you know, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to go with the flow and being flexible is helpful. But sometimes when you go in and you haven't done the prep and just kind of go with the flow, things can come up that you didn't expect and you're not prepared how to navigate those situations. So my tip number one is take some time go back through your last birth. And also to know too, some people don't realize that your birth, it should be charted. So whoever was there, whether if you were with a doctor and then a nurse would have been on the team as well, or if you were with a midwife, but the medical team from your birth is required to chart. So make notes on everything that happens during your birth, including informed consent, including if things were recommended, everything. So depending again, if you're with the same care provider or the same team or in the same city, there, there can be some nuances to this to, if you can get access to those last charts, if you've moved and that kind of thing, but to know you could bring it up to your current care provider that it would be helpful to have the charts from your last birth. And you may not necessarily understand if you were to visibly see the chart because there can be a lot of medical language but they should be able to go through that chart and provide information of what, what was written down, which may answer some of the questions that you have about your birth. That's my first tip is processing and going through your last birth. And that brings us into tip number two, what are your current birth preferences? And this can be based on your last experience, but also perhaps what you've learned in between your last birth and your current pregnancy. And when I bring up birth preferences, that's the term I like to use versus a birth plan because a birth plan can sound really rigid. And there's this misconception around like, don't write things down that you're hoping for or anything like that because you can't control birth and it all goes out the window. And I can understand why this is sometimes said, but that's why I talk about birth preferences because Birth preferences help you dive into what is most important to you. And as you sift through things like, do I think I want an epidural? Do I definitely not want an epidural? I want to go in having an unmedicated birth, but I'm open to having an epidural if I feel I need it. Like there's so many levels that people go into birth with in terms of, for that example, around the decision around an epidural. 
And what I find helpful is when you start kind of figuring out what your preference around that is, it's going to help you learn more about it. Because when I work with clients, and again, in Bump to Birth, I have people, you know, sift through this is if that's your preference, you know, what is that based on? Is that based on your last experience at your last birth? Is that based on what you've heard from friends or family? Is that based on blogs or podcasts or, you know, other birth stories? And then it'll help you realize, you know, what you need to look more into, what you need to research more. So then you really can make informed decisions about that when you're in birth. And so often how I talk about it with people and and a reason why people join Bump to Birth is it helps prepare for all types of birth. You can have that preference of if you want to have a home birth, a hospital birth, but again, you might plan a hospital birth and things might move really quickly and it turns into a home birth. Or you may be planning a home birth, but then for certain reasons, you transfer to the hospital. So having preferences for each type of birth or different scenarios really helps you go into birth feeling a lot more prepared, a lot more calm and confident because in like, you've gone through those scenarios of like, okay, if this happens, these are my preferences, or I know why this was recommended and I know what questions to ask about it. So the epidural is one example or any medication around birth is one example, but birth preferences, you bring this into everything for strategies during labor, for positions and types and breathing and all the different aspects around pushing. You can bring this into all aspects and then also after baby is born. So afterwards, you know, decisions around any tests or your placenta or cutting the cord, all these things. So creating birth preferences really helps you dive more into what you realize maybe you don't fully understand or that you want to know more about so you can make an informed decision during labor. And this also helps when it comes to birth preferences, going through them with your partner or whoever's going to be supporting you at your birth. They also help you communicate with your care provider in pregnancy. Yes, during birth itself, but I often recommend clients in Embump to Birth that they actually start doing this earlier in pregnancy. Whenever you're starting, you know, whenever you're hearing this today, wherever you are in pregnancy, it doesn't matter. It's never too early or too late, but having these conversations and not waiting until in labor to ask about anything because you may not even feel you know what to ask or options or strategies that could be available. So birth preference is my second tip. And with this, I do recommend when you're creating a birth preference document with my clients in bump to birth, I provide a one page template because you may hear of some people going in with a five page birth plan and it just can be more challenging for a care provider to go through it for your team, you know, to really understand what your preferences are before birth and during birth. But also I find one page helps you actually in terms of you're the one giving birth. So one page really helps you narrow down, pinpoint what is really important to you. And that will stand out more to you, to your team and helps again with those discussions in prenatal appointments, but also then during your actual labor. And with that too, your partner, if they really understand your birth preferences, 
in labor, they can also speak for you. If you're working through a contraction and a recommendation is coming up and your, your partner knows that this specific recommendation, unless it's absolutely needed medically, that you would prefer to wait or that you would want more information. And sometimes we don't have the words when we're in labor, especially as you get further into active labor. We don't necessarily communicate in full sentences, like your, your brain, your body is really focused on working through each contraction. So your partner understanding your birth preferences can really help you and support you during your birth experience as well, and have that communication with your birth team. Now, tip number three, so I'm going to go over a couple of physical ways to prepare in pregnancy for birth, because birth is very much a physical and a mental event. It's emotional too. And oftentimes just the physical part is talked about, but these things I'm going to mention often are not talked about. So the, the third tip here for preparing is around your breath. And I chose breath because this involves so much. So connecting to your breath also teaches you about connecting to your pelvic floor. So this can actually help within your pregnancy with any pelvic floor symptoms you're experiencing, whether it's leaking pee, prolapse, any pelvic pain, back pain, that your breath is essential to understand and then bringing it in with your pelvic floor. And then when it comes to birth, breath is a really effective way to help you cope and ground through each contraction. So if we just start with the breath with your pelvic floor, we could do a whole episode and I've definitely mentioned it a number of times in past episodes. So you can always check those out around people get told, you know, do Kegels, don't do Kegels. I typically don't use the term Kegel because I find when people think of that, everyone's been told the traditional just squeeze these muscles at the bottom of your pelvis, essentially stop pee. So that's what people think of as a Kegel. And the thing is the pelvic floor is so much more involved than that. Like I said, I go in more in depth with clients in bump to birth. We've got many episodes. I've got lots on social media about this, that with our pelvic floor. So these muscles attach at the bottom of our pelvis from our pubic bone to tailbone, that's front to back, and then side to side from sit bone to sit bone. So if you picture kind of a diamond shape, these muscles are so important. They've got lots of jobs supporting our pelvic organs, stopping us from leaking pee. They play a role in terms of a sexual role, um, including if you're having internal pelvic pain with penetration, that can mean that these muscles are more on the tense side. They support our back, our hips, our pelvis, a big role in circulation around the pelvis. And then in pregnancy, they also help to support our uterus and baby. So kind of a big deal, right? So how the breath connects is when we breathe in, our diaphragm, which is our deep breathing muscle, lowers and our pelvic floor relaxes kind of in response to that in the, the pressure system in our abdomen. And as we exhale, our diaphragm lifts. So that muscle under the, in the rib cage and our pelvic floor lifts. So there's this kind of ebb and flow with our breath and our pelvic floor. Again, it's important to understand there's a lot more detail to go into it and how to connect. Um, I often will cue people of picking up blueberries. So like a blueberry or vaginal opening and anal opening, because then you get the front to back of your pelvic floor. 
And it's important to understand this connection, this breath in and breath out with that connection to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy to help with the symptoms I mentioned before and bringing it into movement and exercise. But when it comes to birth itself, it's also helpful to learn how to focus just on the relaxation component of that breath. So the cue and image that I will use with clients and online is called the flower bloom breath. And this is when you inhale, picture a flower blooming out of the bottom of your pelvis, out of your vaginal opening. As you exhale, you picture it staying open. And this cue I find really helps your brain connect to your pelvic floor for that relaxation. Because when you think when it comes to birth, you want to think of almost opening the door for baby. Your pelvic floor does not push your baby out. Your uterus does that. But your pelvic floor needs to relax and yield and lengthen and open versus tensing up in response to contractions or sometimes when people are pushing, they may actually be kind of squeezing the pelvic floor instead of that, allowing it to lengthen. So again, there's more nuance to it. And this is just kind of the tip of the, the iceberg in terms of connecting your breath with the pelvic floor. But I wanted to bring that up because what I just talked about, whether you're, you know, picking up the blueberries, so almost that flexibility, that ebb and flow, some people call it strengthening the pelvic floor, but really it's about your pelvic floor being able to relax and contract. Or whether it's, I just talked about connecting your breath to focus on relaxing the pelvic floor for birth. These parts are often missing a lot of times in traditional birth prep or in general, some people expect their care provider to be talking about their pelvic floor. And this isn't typically common within pregnancy. So for you to understand, again, connecting the breath is going to help the pelvic floor even if you don't have any symptoms, it's going to be helpful in general, because it's also going to be helpful to tune in pregnancy to this to prepare you for postpartum, because this can really be helpful in the recovery period after birth, reconnecting to your pelvic floor and core. But another part when it comes to the breath and birth is when we're not prepared. So when we haven't gone into educating ourselves, all the different parts of labor physical strategies to help us cope through labor, the mental strategies to cope through labor, contractions start happening. These sensations happen within our body and they can create almost like a, a stress response. And when we have a stress response with anything, not just birth, but in general, oftentimes you'll feel yourself shallow breathe. So more breathing into your chest and it's very high, that breath. If you think of the word grounded, that doesn't sound grounded probably when you're thinking of that type of breath, right? It's very up and high. And that brings us into our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight or freeze side. So when we're stressed, that's where our nervous system, that's where our brain or body go to. Now, if you practice breathing in pregnancy, so the flower bloom breath I mentioned, or elongated breathing is another technique I teach that getting that breath lower and longer, practicing that well before labor, when you get into labor, it's going to be easier to tune into that. You might need some reminders from your partner, from your doula, whoever is supporting you at birth, if they notice you getting high with your breath. But if you've practiced it more, it's going to be so much easier if someone just reminds you to, to ground through and elongate your breath or 
come back to your flower bloom so much easier for your nervous system to respond to that because it's practiced it. So that's tip number three in terms of learning these different sides to connecting to your breath, how it's going to help your pelvic floor, which can help with birth in terms of labor, in terms of pushing, and then also that grounding feeling through your breath, which is also going to help you cope through contractions. Tip number four is again, more of a physical tip. And this is around posture and movement breaks, because again, this can really help in pregnancy in terms of managing or getting ahead of aches or pains and also prepare your body for birth. And it's not, it's not about this perfect posture. There's still a lot of this circulating and we get, you know, I remember growing up and hearing that too, right? Shoulders back, head up, and this kind of quote unquote perfect posture. But the more we've actually looked into posture and pain, it's more about the variety of postures and bringing movement into your day is actually what your body prefers. And so I'll use back pain or pelvic pain as an example, because those can be quite common in pregnancy. But for you to know there's actually help that you can actually change that pain. And so again, for the purpose of this episode, I'm just going to give a, a couple of examples and things you can start trying, but to know it's really important to dive deeper into this. And there's many more steps involved in playing around with different postures throughout your day and different types of movement breaks. One of the, the strategies I teach my clients is around uh, ribs over pelvis. And you've probably heard this if you're not new to the podcast, Jess and I have talked about this in a number of episodes, and it's not that you need to live in this posture 24-7, because that in itself can create almost like a rigidity, right? We want fluidness in our body, especially like in pregnancy, you may be feeling you know, stiff and aching. Often it's because we're in the same posture all the time. So even this posture, it, you're not meant to be in it 24-7, but a lot of people find it quite helpful when it comes to aches, pains, pelvic floor symptoms, you know, connecting to your pelvic floor and breath. And so that ribs over pelvis is more talking about bringing your ribs forward over your pelvis. So if you're standing, this idea of if you watch the Winter Olympics, the ski jumpers that kind of launch themselves, basically they're in the air on that steep angle and then land at the very bottom of the hill. Now, you don't need to be on that steep of an angle, but this idea where if you're standing right now, or if you can stand and you're listening to this, it's this idea of this slight lean forward from your ankles. So not bending forward from your hips, you're shifting a bit forward from your ankles. So you'll almost feel your weight transfer a little bit more forward. And you can even take a deep breath in this position and you're looking for your breath to be more so in the sides of your ribs versus your chest or just the, the front of your abdomen. It's more of this umbrella breath or breath into the sides of your ribs. And so this position, again, with um, in general, standing, walking, working out, this posture often feels much better for the back and the pelvis. And if you almost think about walking at the end of pregnancy, so with this episode being about subsequent birth, meaning you've been pregnant before, you may remember at the end of pregnancy, almost like a pregnancy waddle where your weight is quite far back 
and your abdomen is really much in the front and you may have been feeling, you know, low back stiffness, pain, maybe pain in the pubic symphysis in the front of your pelvis, really not comfortable. Often what I'll have clients do and in bump to birth, this is one of the first things you learn is bringing those ribs forward. It will feel foreign. It might feel that you're tipping way forward, but when you actually look in the mirror on the side, you're actually not super far forward. You're actually quite upright with a slight lean. And this in itself can just, like I said, be really helpful for pain, especially, you know, with walking, with movement, with exercise. So that's one posture I find can be helpful. And also too, you can bring this into sitting. So be sitting on your sit bones. There's different ways I teach this, whether it's using um, a towel roll on your seat to help get you forward, not on the back of your chair, but actually you're sitting on one. I teach a a technique how to, to bring you a bit forward. If you're on the floor, sitting on a yoga block, will do this. Or if you have a birth ball, I say, use it as early as you can in pregnancy. And probably you'll want to keep using it even postpartum and onwards for sitting. It is so much more comfortable and allows you to keep movement, which actually takes us into that next part. So that movement break. And that's why I find a ball, if you sit for work or in general, if you're sitting during the day for whatever reason, that you may find having a ball be a lot more helpful. And it's never too early. I talk with clients who are in the early at at the start of their first trimester. I talk about the ball and have them try it out and they find it really comfortable. So it's never too early to start this. Why the ball is kind of neat for the movement break side of things, because especially if you, if you work in terms of having meetings throughout your day, you can sit on your ball And if you're on Zoom or like on a a virtual meeting, you can still do pelvic tilts. You can do circles with your hips. You can actually incorporate movement for your back and pelvis, which feels amazing without actually getting up. And those who are on the call won't really even know that you're moving. So that's kind of one neat way to get a movement break in if you can't stand or, you know, get up or move. Because it does help to have a movement break every 45 minutes to an hour. And why this will be helpful is if you incorporate those throughout your day, by the time you get to the end of your day, you're much less sore, less pain because you've had those breaks versus sitting for those long periods of time, not really, you know, changing up your posture and you get to the end of the day and that's kind of built up throughout your day. So taking these breaks is helpful. So you could do pelvic tilts, like I said, on the ball, even if you don't have a ball on a firm chair, you can still do pelvic tilts. Or, you know, you could take a break and go on the floor and do cat cow from like yoga or any other yoga postures or getting up to move, going for a little walk. I just, I don't often say, you know, you need to get up and walk for your break because it's not necessarily realistic for people to do that every 45 minutes to an hour, but you're probably getting the the idea of what I'm talking about is we need movement. If, even if you stand up and march on the spot and sit back down, that's a movement break. You just need to get out of that posture, same posture you've been in. And then also when you go back to sit down, then you might readjust your posture and bring your ribs a little bit forward or finding that posture that is most comfortable. So that's tip number four is around posture and movement breaks, because that can really help with aches and pains in pregnancy. But then also if you choose to do things like I mentioned, cat cow, thread the needle is another yoga uh, movement I really love for clients Because when you incorporate movement breaks, 
to help keep mobility and keeping less tension and stress in your body. When it comes to labor, you'll have more access to more labor positions and pushing positions because you've actually moved through different spinal movements and hip movements and have kept your body mobile. There's this misconception around, you know, relax and making us really, uh, really loosey goosey kind of throughout pregnancy. So you don't want to be doing, you know, torso rotation or, you know, doing mobility work. But I would say I do not find that at all. My clients feel so much better. And I felt this in both my pregnancies and births as well. Keeping mobility work with a balance of strength work, that combination I find works the best, that keeping that mobility really, really helps with symptoms. And really by addressing those symptoms, like if you're having pelvic floor symptoms or any type of pain, by addressing that in pregnancy, learning strategies to help those it actually helps you become much more aware of your body, learn about your pelvic floor, your core, but your whole body in general, that in itself plays a big role in being physically prepared for birth. So again, that's a step not often talked about that I've seen over and over uh, with my clients and those who've gone through bump to birth plays a big role. If we can address those in pregnancy, you actually physically will feel more prepared for birth as well. So now for the fifth tip, taking what we've just talked about, those first four tips, is how do you want to prepare this time? So look at your preferences and really taking some time to think what is going to get you to feel more calm, more confident, and more prepared this time. You know, looking back last time, did you take a prenatal class? Was that class particularly helpful now that you've gone through it once or more than once uh, in terms of going through birth? Did it cover what you needed it to cover? Because perhaps it's going back to that same course and, and you know, going through and reviewing things. But I often find it's more that people realize, oh, I didn't even know this aspect was missing. Maybe I didn't get any information actually around pushing. That was just kind of skipped over and I felt like a deer in headlights. And so this time I want to know what are options around positioning, breathing, timing, different ways to push. How can my partner support me with pushing? How can I minimize tearing? Like all these things last time, actually, I never even learned about and I had no idea how important they were. So this time that is something really important to me. So if that's the case, then you want to find however it is, whether it's working with a professional, taking an online program, taking an in-person class, whatever it is, find what works for you so that now looking back at your other preferences, what was missing last time? What's going to help you feel a lot more confident this time? And like I mentioned, being physically prepared the pelvic floor is so often missed over. And I found this personally, I was a pelvic health physio. I had been a physio for a number of years before my first pregnancy, but I had dove into pelvic health. So my clients were mainly pregnant and postpartum going into my first birth. I had done my physio doula training. So I had a lot of knowledge around it and had been teaching about it, but I still going into that first birth, I wanted to go to as many different types of prenatal classes and workshops 
because as you could tell, I love everything about birth prep. So I was like, maybe I can learn some more things because you never know everything. There's always more to learn. So I was like, I want to learn um, more tips, more tools that I can use myself that I can pass on to my clients. And I also wanted to see what my clients were learning. And some things that I saw that were missing was really anything about the pelvic floor. If the pelvic floor was mentioned, it was do Kegels, maybe perineal massage, very little information about either of them. And if the information was provided, it was often quite out of date. And the other side too was pushing. I really, I find pushing is one of those aspects that is often brushed over. It's, I would say, improving in terms of in uh, prenatal classes. And again, at this point, there are so many options out there. So all I'm saying is to really look into the, the classes, the courses, or if you're working with a professional, ask them and look into the course to see what is actually covered and covered in depth and what you will learn. Because that really, really can impact how you feel going into this birth. And then the other side is also mentally being prepared. So the way you prepared last time, and again, you may not have, maybe you watched a couple YouTube videos, or maybe you didn't. And you were like, all my friends say I should just go in and wing it. So that's what I did. And then I realized, okay, this time I want to prepare differently. Because now that you've gone through it, you realize birth, it's very much a mental event. The physical, yes, but it is mental. You need strategies to stay in the zone, to stay in each contraction, to be present, to work through it. And also even how to advocate for your preferences. So what questions to ask, what to talk to your care provider and birth team about before you give birth, What will be helpful to ask during birth if certain recommendations come up? Some people don't even know they can ask questions that they're just like, well, if this is recommended, this must be what should happen. I don't feel like I can ask questions. So this is kind of how it goes. I hear that often with clients when I see them in a subsequent birth and why a number of people join bump to birth is they were like, I just kind of felt like birth was happening to me and I wasn't actively involved with it. I wasn't actively involved in the decisions that were happening. There were things being recommended and I didn't really understand what they were for or possible side effects or alternatives, or could I have waited and then decided later if I really wanted it? None of it was an emergency, but it just kept feeling like things just kept happening, but I didn't really understand what was going on this time around that they, one of their big goals is They want to understand the different aspects around birth, the different suggestions that might come up and then questions they can ask and their partner can ask so they can make an informed decision. Because that can be a big part looking back at birth. If your last birth was not a positive experience, if it was negative or if it was traumatic or a neutral experience, that sometimes people, it can often be because they didn't feel supported. They didn't feel that things were explained to them. And often partners feel this too. So I often will do a partner session with my prenatal physio clients, but also in bump to birth, there's the partner labor prep workshop. And I talk through this when it comes down to it. Sometimes partners felt left in the dark that they see their partner giving birth and things are coming up and being suggested and things are happening, but nothing was explained to them. So they felt left out and they felt lost and that can be traumatic to them. So going into this next birth, the partner is like, 
I want to be more informed. I want to know how I can support my partner while they're giving birth and going through labor so that it can be a more positive experience for both of us. Those are some things to think about as you prepare for this upcoming birth. Looking back at those five tips. So tip number one is processing your last birth. Tip number two are what are your current birth preferences? And this could be based on your last birth experience or what you've learned about in between. Tip number three is around the breath. So learning how to connect your breath with your pelvic floor, but also breathing strategies for coping through labor as well, which can include that flower bloom breath. So with your pelvic floor, and this will also help with pelvic floor symptoms and pain that you might be experiencing in pregnancy. Tip number four is around posture and movement breaks. So learning different types of helpful postures and also taking those movement breaks can help with aches or pains, stiffness in pregnancy, but also be a big component of preparing for birth itself. And tip number five is how do you want to prepare this time around? When you look at your preferences, what is going to help you feel calm, confident, and more prepared going into this next birth? And as always, I would love to hear from you if you've listened to this episode and you're expecting after listening to this, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Holistic Health Physio or at Two Birth and Beyond Podcast. And let me know what you took away from this episode. Like, how are you planning to prepare for your upcoming birth? And I would love to chat. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 